Hello, everyone. This is Deep Tran, senior editor of American Theater Magazine, and I am proud to announce that American Theater has an all-new podcast. Well, technically, if you've been hanging around our website since February, you would know that it's not really all new. Since February, myself and an American theater contributor, Jose Solis, who has written for Stage Buddy, TDF Stages, and the New York Times, we get together every two weeks and we talk about three shows at three different price points and tell you which one we would actually pay money for. And we also interview interesting artists. Hint, hint. We mostly interview people who are not straight white men. Ha! And we gab about theater. All in less than 15 minutes. This web series is called Token Theater Friends, and it is available on YouTube or American Theater's Facebook page. And by popular demand, we are also recording it as a podcast starting right now. So what you are about to hear is a podcast recording of episode eight of the Token Theater Friends video series. Enjoy, and if you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, you can do that at some point after we get our podcast approved by iTunes. In the meantime, check us out on YouTube, because unlike audio podcasts, when you watch us, you can also see fun video clips and our faces. Because we are not just discombobulated voices, we actually exist in real life. Enjoy, and American Theater is proud to present Token Theater Friends. You are listening to an American Theater podcast. American Theater is a publication of Theater Communications Group, www.americantheater.org. Hi, I'm Deep. I'm Jose. And we're your token theater friends, bringing a POC perspective to the performing arts. Every two weeks, we review three shows at three different price points and tell you which one you should pay money for. Because theater is expensive and we care about your finances. Because we're good people. <laughs> but what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the revival of My Fair Lady at Lincoln Center Theater, Dance Nation at Playwrights Horizons, and Bump at Ensemble Studio Theater. I like the way you say bump. Bump. <laughs> In this revival of My Fair Lady, directed by Bartlett Share, the flower girl Eliza is played by Lauren Ambrose, and she employs the help of a linguistics professor named Henry Higgins to help her speak proper British English in order to lift herself up from poverty and enter the and enter the middle class. And this musical has some problems in it historically because it's considered a misogynist musical because Henry Higgins says some terrible things about women and Eliza chooses to stay with him and be his whatever at the very end of the musical. And in this version, we're not going to spoil it for you, but it doesn't end the way traditional versions of this musical has ended. So I want to talk about that first. What did we think about the ending of My Fair Lady this time? Did we find it empowering? Yes, I loved the ending. And I was not surprised when afterwards I talked to, you know, many 
old white people who were like, this is not romance. We want misogyny and we want abuse. I kept thinking how much My Fair Lady is kind of like a predecessor to reality shows because it's Mm -hmm. essentially like a makeover kind of thing. Yes. I was like, this is like drag race with like cis women. And, you know, like the audience becomes, even though we know how it's going to end, like, you know, it's in the title, she's My Fair Lady. But there's something so compelling, even like voyeuristic about just seeing this woman go through all this like changes and like even pain to become who she thinks the world wants her to be. I I was overhearing like this mother talking to her daughter afterwards and her daughter's like, you know, 12 years old. And her daughter said, like, I like how it ended. Oh, this is the audience that we're that we should be playing to now. Like not the subscriber audiences who just like things done traditionally, but young people who are growing up today who are looking at this and seeing what is normal and what and how people should treat each other. And if the end of this ending of My Fair Lady inspires them to treat, you know, each other with more kindness, then I think that is a good thing. And I think this production could inspire that. In Dance Nation by Claire Barron, a group of 13-year-old girls learn a new routine that they hope will will land them the national championship dance competition. Oh, my God. I, I love I love this play so much. Like, I've just been thinking about it. It was one of those times where I walked out of theater and I just felt, like, so pumped up and empowered because, this yes, this play is about 13-year-old girls, but the play is also done in, in a really interesting way in casting where it's not teenage girls playing these roles. It's women of all different races and ages, and it was just so refreshing to see a group of, group of teenage girls on stage that, one, they weren't fighting or catty with each other. Like, they were very supportive of each other and also really struggling with you know, they were struggling against what society tells you that girls should be, which is like small and quiet. It was great to see these girls go, no, this is all BS. What I loved was it was so effortlessly diverse and it was and it was like black girls and Indian and Indian American girls and all races of girls like just having regular issues because sometimes I feel like when you put girls of color on stage suddenly it becomes like an issue play about like the lives of people of color I admire the show more on like an intellectual Mm -hmm. and like aesthetic level than I did on an emotional level because I felt you know I was in awe of all the there's like surreal aspects to the show like dreamlike things it's like a memory play in a way and I was perhaps a little bit distracted by all like the you know the quirky not necessarily quirky but i was distracted by the playwright's technique well is it because like you were never a teenage girl jose i don't know do do, do guys go through the same thing of like trying to comfort each other when you know like you're better than girl please okay what do you think <laughs> In Bump by Chiara Attique, three different stories from across time, all related to pregnancy, collide to turn this like really fabulous comedy about, you know, pregnancy and how scary and beautiful and technical it can be. The show was based on a science project that Chiara found on 
YouTube that inspired her to get in touch with the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation and write a play revolving what this experiment is. It was like watching Ali Wong's latest comedy special, Hard Knock Wife, where it's just a matter-of-fact thing that they talk about. It shows you just like how amazing it is and also how kind of normal it is. You know, like women are... Like, women are so tired of not being able to talk about our bodies and periods and the, and the things that our bodies go through and being shamed for talking about it, that, no, screw it. We're going to talk about all of it. And some of it's not going to be comfortable. And so it shouldn't be. Yeah. No. Some of it's gross. But you know what? Men should know about it. And what I loved about Bump, like, one of the threads was, like, this father who wasn't present for his daughter's birth. Now that his daughter's having a baby, like, he suddenly realizes, like... He wants to be a part of that, and he wants to be involved. It, it was just so heartwarming to actually see men who who didn't respond with, oh my god, gross. Yeah, like in many ways, and I do mean this as a compliment, but in many ways the play made me think of a sitcom, except a really good sitcom, like something that would be like an HBO or like Netflix, not like some like laugh track. Like yeah, not like an thing. ABC sitcom. Because, you know, like it kept, like it was so wonderfully structured, like it kept going from like, it was cut perfectly. It went from like scene to scene to scene. And everything like flowed so smoothly, and I really wanted to know more about the characters because the play's like you know like and we don't usually say this like the play's only eighty minutes, and I was like I could hang out with these people a little bit more. Fun fact: Jose interviewed Kara Atik for her for another podcast that he does called Maximu, and they talked about wanting people to do the experiment and send them videos. So we're gonna do that right now. Yay! Yay! Were you good at like science fairs in school? No. Neither was I. So let's see how this turns out. Yeah, you gotta hold my microphone. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So this was the experiment that inspired the play. It was inspired by YouTube video. Okay. So you have a cork in a bottle. See, bot cork. The cork <laughs> is in the bottle. Yeah. See. Now we have we have to get this cork out of the bottle. Bag goes in here. Bag goes in here, and then you blow on the, and then you blow into the bag. And then you pull. Yes. And then you pull. Okay. Pull. It's like magic. It is like magic. Now, and now, pretend the cork is a baby, and that is how, and that is the play. Okay, so which show would you pay money for? I would go see Bump in like a heartbeat. Like I had, a, I had a blast, and it's really funny. And yeah, that would be my choice this time around. Yeah, like, I'm surprised that I didn't pick the musical. To be honest. Yes. Same. Same. Yay! <laughs> Confetti emoji. <laughs> and it's you? only twenty dollars. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, me, I would pick Dance Nation because I felt so good afterwards. And if you have a little girl, take her to Dance Nation, and hopefully she will feel awesome afterwards and feel like she can crush the world between her thighs. So, could you have Dance Nation all night? I- <laughs> Heck yes, I could have. Next up, we talked to Tony nominee Eva Noblezada, last seen in New York in the revival of Miss Saigon. And we talked to her about her shows at the Green Room on 42nd. So let's check that out. 
are doing shows at the Green Room 42nd. What yes. are your shows about? My shows are called Girl No More, and essentially they're just a chance for um, audiences to watch um, um, little Mexican sing things and make really bad jokes and have a really nice <laughs> burger, because here at 342 they have make amazing burgers. Um, but I talk a lot about mental health in my show and try to normalize conversations about like mental health and eating disorders and, you know, just... I don't want to have any kind of persona just because I'm on a stage. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to think anything um, more of me because I, I am just human. So essentially, it's just one night of music. Why those topics? Because like, no one talks about them, and mm -hmm. they're very important, and people struggle with them. Everyone struggles with them. It doesn't yes. really, in different scales. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is a perfect venue to bring in all different types of people. How do you select the songs that you include in your show? It was actually quite simple. Just my whole set is pretty much just songs that are either nostalgic to me growing up or songs that I related to on a lyrical meaning. Um, and growing up, of course, you look at songs that you loved mm -hmm. 10 years ago and you see them in a completely different light. So yeah. it was easy, just pretty much most played on my phone. <laughs> How did you fall in love with the theater? Because I, I feel like for me as a person of color growing mm -hmm. up, I didn't really see myself reflected in it. I had to put myself into somewhere, someone else in order to get a love for this. And of so, course. What what was the spark for you? Mulan. When the movie came out, mm. I was always, I always grew up watching Disney, and I loved Little Mermaid. I would put the VHS tape in and rewind it and watch it, the whole thing and rewind it and watch the whole thing again. Mm -hmm. Mom was like, seriously, I'm going to slap Ariel in the face. She's annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> My poor mom. Um, but then when Mulan came out, I became obsessed. I know every single word to that movie, and mm -hmm. I saw somebody who had a culture that I could definitely relate to um so it was special and then i was like oh my god she's singing and then there slays longer and i'm in love and you you've done you did late miss in in london mm -hmm. so you've had the opportunity to play characters that are you know traditionally portrayed by white mm -hmm. actors and, and by leis longa right. that's what started it all for me <laughs> when i saw her videos her singing on my own at the mm -hmm. contra hall i was like i could do that Mm -hmm. I can do that. But do you think that the musical theater is in the right way? Or do you think that there's so much more? I mean, I think there's a lot of work oh, to Oh, God, there's so much more work. I think people always have the argument of, well, things need to be written. But um, I think that there's a lot of material out there that needs to be um, <laughs> from the point of people who put people in the shows, without being too specific, um, to shift perspective of what's historically accurate and what is open to interpretation. We're in an age of theater where it's completely, we're flipping ourselves inside out and we're showing every single color and emotion that we can possibly give and then some um, with no apologies. So now is the time. I think there needs to be, uh, I would like to see more um, opportunity and also in casting calls and breakdowns, um, less ignorance, Mm. For example, don't email me and say, oh, well, can you just choose any Oriental accent? That's not okay. That's not okay. No. Oriental's a rug, not a person. Thank you. <laughs> But it's just really redefining how we look at people mm -hmm. generally. Wow, that's so general. But it will eventually filter into the theater world. I mean, baby steps are at least steps. Let me Bad. 
So as you can see, we're both holding microphones today because we're also recording this as a podcast because too many of you guys said, oh my God, I love your podcast or can you release this as an audio only podcast? So here you go, people. So please subscribe to Token Theater Friends on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Or if you continue, want to continue looking at our lovely faces, subscribe on YouTube or like American Theater Magazine on Facebook because we put videos on both platforms. Also, leave us a comment if you have any other thoughts. And as always, theater is more fun when you take your friends. Bye.